Hey, what's lefty. going on? Hey, lefty. Hey, lefty. What you say? Irish fans, welcome in. This is the Slant Lucky Lefty Podcast. I am Sean Davis at SD Two Mics. That guy over there. He's the original Lucky Lefty. We are the Lucky Lefty Podcast. We spin it different. And he is Malik Zaire at Overtime Malik. So on the slant every Monday, of course, we talk about Brian Kelly's press conference and some uh, some things to pull from that. We also give the uh, the Petty Award of the Week, put somebody on the Petty Train this week. We might throw somebody under the Petty Train. It's so bad. <laughs> and we're going to talk about the first green in green at Notre Dame. We'll talk about that a little bit. But Brian Kelly met with the media, you know, talked about the disappointment amongst his players uh, when he saw him at training table on Monday, the day off. Uh, said they felt that they were disappointed because they beat themselves. You know, you can go to uh, our post game rap, and uh, it was 50 minutes of nothing <laughs> but the coaches. Like we we didn't even mention the players. It was like it was no need to mention the players. It was like you know what? Let's let's dig to the real problem because, of course, we know the players make plays, all of that. But there's some deeper issues that we had to get to to the root to really explain why things are happening. So he talked about that. One of the things he did say is they made a decision on a quarterback. They made a decision on the quarterback. I'm going to allow Malik to say who that quarterback is going to be. Um, Malik asked, "You asked for this in the post game rap," and we're like, "Yo, just just ride it out. Make a decision. Tell that dude he's the guy, and ride it out." Right. So he, he talked about that as well. He talked about the injuries. He talked about Kurt Heinisch rejoining the team this week against Virginia Tech. We talked about Lorenzo Styles and Deion Cozy coming into the game in the fourth quarter making plays. They'll be on the field more. He said the reason, now this is strange, he said the reason you'll see more of those guys is because with the volume of plays on offense, the outside guys need to be fresher in the fourth quarter. And I'm saying to myself, they need to be fresher. That what? place he needs to be fresher. <laughs> <laughs> That plays together fourth quarter. So before before we get to the quarterback, the first thing we want to talk about that stood out the most from Brian Kelly's press conference is the fact that he was asked about their usage of the two-back system with Chris Tyree and Kyron Williams. And he explained that they went to the two-back system not to get more playmakers on the field, but to allow them to be able to help the offensive line and their tackles. And when asked to explain further, he said, well, teams were blitzing us from the running back side. So, therefore, we couldn't help the tackle. And my thing was, well, you don't always have to line up offset. I mean, you can line up in a traditional single back. Uh, You can go eye formation. It's a lot of things you can do to confuse the defense and where they might want to come from. 
But the way he made it, the way he explained it, it made it seem like, you know, he was letting us know that we don't know football. And this is the only way they can help the tackles is by going two. And then, you know, they started to drop eight when we went two backs, which meant we only had three in the pattern to go against eight dropping. And, you know, with two running backs that are pretty good in the passing game, I guess they just had to stay in and block each and every time. It, it was one of the most confusing four to five minutes of a Brian Kelly press conference that I've ever witnessed. Well, it just goes to the confusing look I have on my face when I'm watching the offense play every week. And it just it just matches up perfectly. Everybody is saying, what? How do we how is this the production that we're getting out of the players that we know are up for awards this year? I'm sure Kyron is up for running back of the year, offensive player of the year award. I know we got the center that's up for some center award this year, Jared Patterson. Jared Patterson, yep. So I'm just trying to figure out how is it that a Hall of Fame potential coach and Brian Kelly can't give a simple or even concise answer that is something we can chew off of. That's probably the most surprising thing is that from a coach like that with such high regards and accolades, you would refer to like a Nick Saban who, you know, if his defense wasn't playing good, he'll tell you exactly what it was and it'll probably match up to what people would be, you know, expecting. Yeah. These odd responses just makes it feel like we still don't know what we're doing on offense, and that's just a concern. Another thing he spoke about the offensive line, he said any critique of offensive uh, line coach Jeff Quinn was unfair at this point (laughs) because we've been teaching technique since the spring and summer. I'll stop and just laugh out loud. I had to pause the video for a second. Like the fact that you just said you've been teaching technique to the players once again that you recruited. You recruited. They've been in your program for more than one year. We can go beyond this spring and summer. They've been with you for multiple years. You've been teaching them technique, and they can't pick up technique. Yeah. How did Jared Patterson become a, a watch list player? Exactly. If this technique is so flawed or whatever you're trying to refer to, you know, I'm, I'm like, my whole thing is, like you said, the recruiting is the biggest part. A lot of it, like you saw from, for instance, Q Nelson, who started as a freshman, it wasn't much technique he needed. You <laughs> just threw him in there and he's pancaking kids. That's recruiting. Yeah. You don't have to coach that. So why are you bringing in guys you got to develop to where now is you're blaming the coaching? No, it's the recruiting. Secondly, if it is the coaching, it's just it's unfortunate because we had such great coaching before. And it shows that once again, you didn't recruit good and the offensive line as a coach this time, this round. And that's something that as a head coach, you would just take the onus of. Yes, I you know, it's hard to replace Harry Heaston. I said that in the press conference. <laughs> <laughs> and it's true. You know, obviously it's true. But 
to have a, a regular offensive line, which we have, that's, you know, I'll say better than average, but it's not what we're used to. That's just what you're going to get. And yeah. if that's what you're saying, not to blame Coach Quinn on, then yeah. But then again, you have to recruit a coach that can get more out of them as well because it has to be more than the technique that you're getting out of them because some of it just looks like they just getting whooped just straight up, you know. So, yeah, yeah. something to be said when, you know, it's almost like sweet and bitter water are coming out of his mouth. Mm-hmm. Right. One moment he's saying we have to coach better. We have to coach these guys better. We got out coached. And then the next press conference is, yo, we've been teaching technique all spring and all summer. Like these guys have to come out and do the job. Like, which one is it? Which one is it? Either you have to coach better or these guys just flat out have to play better. It, you can't have it both ways. I think yeah. Coach Kelly's been taking a, a page out of the CDC, man. One minute is a mass, next minute is not, <laughs> just to keep the narrative going. But I really do believe that it can be solved with just some understanding. And, and, and our expectations have to be shaped around what are we going to hide on offense and what are we going to use the most. Yeah, And that comes with – and it starts with the quarterback. If you got one quarterback in with Tyler Buckner, offensive line is not too much of a question. Because, you know, he can get out of a lot of stuff, can make some plays downfield, it can ease the pressure off the offensive line, not having a block for a position guy. So it would alleviate a lot of what people are saying is the problem. Or you stick with Jack and you focus on running, play action, running, play action, taking his shots. That can also help the offensive line do a little bit better. But when you get stuck in between, and especially when you throw three into the mix, I don't think it's I don't think it's real easy for offensive line to block for three different types of guys. So um it's been a a makeshift kind of season so far, but that's Notre Dame for you. And we're still sitting in good position with plenty of better games coming down the pipe. So we just gotta get ready for it. So the Irish, they walk out into the practice field to prepare for Virginia Tech for the first time. Who did Brian Kelly tell, you're the guy. We're moving forward with you. Our guy that he brought in the transfer, Jack Cohn. That's our, that's our guy that we living with right now. And I just think it's just too deep into the season before we get into the run where – Putting Tyler out there is just—it's just not going to get you where where you could have been if yeah. you played him in the very beginning. You know what I mean? I think this would be the turnaround game for Buckner coming off of Cincinnati after playing the whole season to be like, "Hey, I'm 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 here. I'm ready for this tough road game. I'm established as a Notre Dame quarterback. I'm ready to hit that." that track like Ian Book was, you know, I think doing the packages thing and then him getting hurt with a hamstring and being confused on how he was hurt from a hamstring to being tossed in in a, in a big time game real early. I just think it does a lot to a young kid's psyche. Uh, Jack Cohn, I mean, you know, he's been through a lot in his career too. This is a team where he's the best fit to manage it. 
you know, truthfully, uh, especially going back down to a tougher away opponent. And uh, Florida State was a good a good showing for him, and I think they're banking on him, you know, showing something similar or having that that same veracity or that stale face. Remember it was the pale face, stale face thing yeah. that he had going on? He started losing that a little bit in the season, but, you know, I think with the confidence – from Coach Kelly saying that he's going to go with him. Hopefully he'll get back in the right shape. Yeah, and he's also talked about this three-man rotation at guard. Look, man, you have two young guys in Joe Alt, Andrew Christoffi. Just play the young kids. <laughs> Pain mad just hasn't been it. Hasn't lived up to expectations. Moving to the side, start looking forward to causing this because you can't keep messing around with this rotation on the offensive line, they'll never have any cohesion. Never. There's no way they can have cohesion. Let these young kids play. You're teaching them fundamentals based upon what you said. So eventually the fundamentals should kick in. You got to kick in eventually. Right. So play them. That's the only way to get better. And hopefully the offensive line improves in the weeks to come. Now, let's take a step back. Because, you know, some people might take this as a dig. The most important green at Notre Dame is not the green right here. It's not that green. (laughs) It's not this green right here. It's a pretty green, but it ain't that green. It's a pretty green. And everybody loves this shade of green. Everybody loves loves this shade of green. Right? (laughs) But the most important green at Notre Dame and it's fan fan base. It's money green. It's that money green. Money green is plain and simple. Not everybody's upset. It's a lot of talk about how much red was in the stands. Yeah. No. Look, you have season ticket holders. You're going to be back. If somebody wants to offer you two thousand bucks for your seat. <laughs> I understand. I understand. <laughs> you don't want to lose home field advantage. I get it. You know, you want the crowd to be raucous. You want the crowd to make an impact on the game, especially after yeah. the Ritter said leading up to the yeah, game. You know, you want to have it all greened out. You want to have it all greened out. But Look, two years ago, the Georgia Bulldog fan base proved that that our that the fan base can be bought. That, yeah, that the real green is unseen. You're not you when the real green come in is unseen. You're not gonna see that that green that we like. You know, when it you know, when it's a nice Sunday or Saturday afternoon in the morning, oh, yeah. we're gonna show up. Yeah. Because that you know, we see the ticket holders, faithful fans. But if it's a chance to get one of them nice little apartments on Eddy Street, mm. and you a season ticket holder, and you there every weekend. And it just so happened you got a little too riled up at the tailgate outside in the parking lot. <laughs> Here comes one of those good old other fans that never been in Notre Dame, you know, big game. They see that touchdown, Jesus. They said, I got to get in that stadium. You being the green that you are at Notre Dame, you like, this is an opportunity I just can't pass up. Eddie Street's right there. You know how Notre Dame rock. We got those apartments over there. Yeah. Yeah. Coach Kelly got one down the street. There. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I like to sit on that nice I'm new chill. couch. 
Watch my nice little 75 inch. Yeah, I'm only here on the weekends. Right. I might as well just, I got a new TV for it. That's a good seat in the house with $2,000 in my pocket. That's how it happens every time. $2,000 per ticket. Them RVs out there are plush. Don't let them fool you. They'll sit there and kick their feet up, have a whole family of five in there. Right outside the state. They don't need, and they be season ticket holders. They don't need them. Right. They go for the experience. It's all about that great. Now, I will say this. Your traditional games are more than likely going to be a lot more green in the stadium 100%. than, say, a Cincinnati or a Georgia come to town because they don't come to Notre Dame. And for the away fans, that's like the that's one crazy. time. Like, this is the one time I get to go to Notre Dame Stadium. Remember Oklahoma? Yes. We're willing to pay top dollar. Yes. Notre Dame. Now, if, if, if it's Michigan, Michigan State, USC teams, you're going to play every kick year. Rocks. Michigan State, Michigan, yeah, kick rocks. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, you're going to see the stadium more green. But yeah. if it's one of those games where it's a team coming in, where they, you know, this is their one opportunity for that band, fan base to come to yeah. Notre Dame Stadium. Come on in. The college football stadium. Yeah, show some hospitality. Oh, absolutely. You show the, the right kind of green, we'll show yeah. the right kind of You'll be with Irish today. <laughs> I knew what time it was when I, I was downtown the Friday before the game, and I just saw a lot of red sweaters. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, because fans that come in, yeah, they stay in Chicago and then drive down the next morning. Yeah. It's a short, short trip to South Bend. And downtown Chicago was just full of a lot of red sweaters, black and red sweaters. And I'm what's saying to myself, there's no way in the world this many Cincinnati people showed up for this oh, game. Yeah. What? what? And they were loud. Now, I will say this. That's a six-hour trip if you're driving. Yeah, it is. You know, you're from, you know, you're from that area, general area. Yes, sir. I didn't particularly like, and I understand Irish fans that are upset. I didn't particularly like the overrated chant coming from the visiting side. Listen, that wasn't a good look, especially especially with recruits there. It's not a good look. With all of that being said, once again, you have to know who you are, right? Yeah. Fan base, you know, you can't you can't bask in being Notre Dame. And bask in you know who we are and, and our connections in all fields and all areas of life and <laughs> our degree means so much more. We're a private institution and it's not just about football, it's about the full experience of Notre Dame. And you bask in everything that Notre Dame is, and yet still you don't understand that the fan base is totally different than a public school fan base. Yeah, just totally different. Like, there, man. When Notre Dame went to Georgia, <laughs> there is no way you were talking Georgia fans out of their season tickets, man. No, it's a different mentality. No, no. It's a different mentality. Yeah, that's like that's like you coming in there and taking some out of somebody's refrigerator. Man, no, no, no. Nah. You don't do that. No. Nah. Other, it, other it wasn't even giving up his doghouse that game. It's like, 
Oh yeah. Oh. yeah. No, I think and the, and the thing too is that it's a lot more it's a different kind of pride because with Notre Dame, you got pride on and off the field and everywhere you go. Yeah. But you go down to Athens, you step across the little city line, you in Athens, that's that's UGA everything. That's, that's not Atlanta, bro. That's home turf. Yeah. So home they, turf. So they not they not playing. We as Notre Dame are like the free floaters. We just put our turf wherever we go. And we should understand because we are the fan base that travels well. Yeah. Because we, we have fans everywhere across the United States and across the world. Yeah, it's like, oh, they're in my town this week. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Yeah. Yeah. So this you should have, have some respect for a Cincinnati who, as we said last week, was the most important game in the history of their football program. The Super Bowl, yeah. So I understand if you're willing to pay two stacks for a ticket. Because that's history. Hey, this, man. Is just, this is week seven for us. It's history for them. Yeah, you're just going to have to snatch my Notre Dame card for a week. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, man. Hey, you need to – You need to. I'll show you how to get there. Man. You know, I'll tell you what ushers to go to. You know. As long as that Zale goes through. <laughs> you know, it's it's all I got Apple Pay. I got it all. I got it all. PayPal, whatever. Whatever. Man, I'm getting Actually. you the parking pass. I'm getting yeah, the parking pass. You want a hot dog on your way in? Yeah. Whatever you need. <laughs> so what we're saying is we understand Notre Dame fans how upset you might have been with the way things went down on Saturday. But know who you are. Well, yeah, we only get upset about things when we start losing. Yeah. You know, like It's like we didn't get there have been that many red – but that much red in the stands and we blew them out. Oh, they wouldn't have said nothing. It's a laughing matter. Yeah, that'd be it's the laughing like, man, Y'all showed up that much to do it. And I got your money, you know. And y'all got smacked. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't care nothing about that, man. Enjoy that trip back to Cincinnati. Yeah. With my, Enjoy with my that ride. Yeah. So whatever. Yo, each and every week on the slant, we have to throw somebody on the petty train. And this week, we might have to put somebody under the petty train. Under the petty train. So we're going to go to uh, Terry Bradshaw. Is <laughs> going on the petty train this week. Terry Bradshaw, post game on Sunday for Fox, had the audacity to say, audacity, after four games in, that Sam Darnold. Just four, though. Just four. Just, just four. four. Forget the rest of his resume in New York. Yeah, no. everything else he did in New York. <laughs> he, all Forget of that. that. Forget yeah. that. That's not, here. This year, That's not here. This year, four games in, Sam Darnold has become the greatest quarterback in the history of Carolina Panthers. <laughs> in the history of the Carolina Panthers, man, let me tell you. You know what? Oh, take it from here. You, you take it. You take. I just wanted to introduce that. I'm going to throw the lob to you. Just he should issue a national apology <laughs> on just the blatant just disregard and disrespect of just history alone. The amount of history Cam Newton has gave relevance to the city of Carolina. It's just it's just really shocking that the the comments on 
quarterbacks like Cam Newton just get worse and worse. Man, that's like me saying Joe Gillum is the greatest Steelers quarterback. <laughs> Cordell Stewart. It's like, man. yeah, it's like it's like we need to. It's like at this point we need to start saying stuff back like that. Like Tyrod Taylor is the greatest Buffalo Bill quarterback to ever step foot in Buffalo. Period. And y'all should signing back because he is because that's the type of time they be on. Like, how do you disregard a ten year plus pro pro face of the franchise, face of the franchise, first round pick, number one pick, Super Bowl contending, fifteen and one. MVP of the league. Don't forget the Heisman. Heisman. Don't forget the national championship. National championship. Super don't, don't forget the junior college championship. Junior. Remember the dad? Remember they was dabbing for all that time? The commercials. Cam the man. Cultural icon. The man's outfits alone. You can't and, forget. And the reason why you had 10. Ten. Ten. Opening day for the NFL. You had ten black quarterbacks starting. You know who they all looked up to? Cam Newton. You're talking about a generational talent. Well. Heads and shoulders beyond more relevant in the game. It made the Panthers relevant after they lost that Super Bowl to Tom Brady. I just don't understand. Oh, they lost Peyton. They lost oh, to Peyton. Oh, Peyton. That was the Peyton and the Broncos. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how I don't know how you can go on national television every week and and talk about all them games that you've seen him play every week. Even the run when he went 15 and 1, MVP, Super Bowl, all of that every week. And then turn around and say, none of that. Is compared to the four games, not even a full season. That's where it just, just so egregious. Four games is better than Cam's entire resume in Carolina. I don't know. That's not national news. He's the most disrespected quarterback in the history of the National Football League. The most disrespectful. Let's be let National Football. Let's be hyperbolic because we get to be hyperbolic. He's the most disrespected quarterback in the history of the National Football League, right? What was, what was said about him? He's the number one overall pick. Jerry Richardson, that's a reach. I don't know. He can't throw. He's not accurate. Man comes out and throws for 4,500 yards as a rookie, but he can't throw. He can't throw. I mean, league, they just, they just league MVP. League MVP. And before he got injured, the year, think about this. The Carolina Panthers were six and one. Cam was completing 69% of his passes, playing the best football of his life. Of his life. Before he gets injured. Foot and shoulder. And everything went downhill. It's like it's amazing how people forget that. They choose to forget that. They choose to forget who this dude was. High school, college, on into the pros. The peak he played at for multiple years, his impact on the league. Look, he's a century. He's a century. I don't even think Sam Darnold has a house in Carolina yet. (laughs) 
and you giving him the best in the franchise history? I'm just saying that the he's dude, a renter. He's renting. He's he has, Airbnb still in Carolina. And I guess they disposed of the Jets tape. Is that what they did? <laughs> they must have drafted him this year again. It must be his, 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 alter, his alter twin or something. These are the ridiculous takes that are always talked about or connected to one Cam Newton. And I know there's people watching us right now that will point out he didn't dive on the ball in the Super Bowl. I don't like the way he dressed. You know, I don't like the way he talks. Has Man. nothing to do with football. Man. Nothing. Nothing to do with football. Nothing. And, it's, and, and that's not even, it doesn't even stop there. You got people that get on these podcasts. You got these side commentators and, and excluding the ones from TV. They get on there and say stuff like Mac Jones taught him the playbook. <laughs> Cam laughed at that one. But it's yeah, he laughs at it, but they, to laugh at that TV, they go on national reporters, uh, media outlets and say these things. Yeah. Just imagine if somebody came out and was like, Yeah, man, uh Peyton's first whole career is Jacoby Brissett. I mean, yeah. His numbers go yeah. was way better than Peyton's yeah. whole career. That's the comparison we're talking about. Y'all would laugh at people on TV if they said something like that. Jacoby says the greatest Colts quarterback ever. That's t- but that's they say they say things like in history. In history. <laughs> that's like somebody saying to us. Best three games last year and saying he's the best quarterback in Dolphins. <laughs> Dolphins. Like Dan Marino is a far second. Like has no chance. And I just don't, I just I don't understand what makes him feel so comfortable to say that. Oh, you, you know, know why. You know why. Because it's, it's gotta be, it's gotta be, it's gotta be Cam, to say that. Cam, what you see in Patrick Mahomes, what you see in Deshaun Watson, what you'll see in Justin Fields and Trey Lance, and what you'll continue to see as more opportunities and offenses changes that will open up more opportunities for black quarterbacks and other minority quarterbacks is that they'll feel comfortable coming in and being themselves. Like Patrick Mahomes felt comfortable coming in to an NFL being that gunslinger that can throw no-look passes. Deshaun came in being comfortable, being that dude that can make plays, hold the ball, break sacks, get out of the pocket. Justin Fields, very comfortable. After getting smashed and knocked around by the Cleveland Browns, coming back the next week, throwing dimes, ropes. Like what the you know about the Justin Fields, to speak on that, is how long, and the real comparison is, are they going to keep him in the sidetrack comparison to Mitch Trubisky? How are they going to treat him if he's on an off start at first? Well, see, this, it won't make a difference. It will make a difference. Justin Fields will outlast Matt Nagy. You think that's the most? He'll outlast Matt Nagy. That's the most important thing. And see, Matt Nagy is only a, a speed bump. In oh, Justin Fields' career. He's okay, a speed bump. Okay, he's a speed, he's a speed bump. bump. 
He's a speed bump. And this is what I'm going back to Cam. Cam, the attitude he came into the league with, how he performed and who he was and continues to be, gave these young guys, especially people like Justin Fields and Deshaun Watson, who are from the Atlanta area, like that, that's, that's their high school legend when they were growing up. That's all they heard about growing up was Cam Newton, Cam Newton, Cam Newton, Cam Newton, right? Even Trevor Lawrence is from that area. Yeah. That's all they heard about was Cam Newton. So they were given, they've watched someone come in with the bravado and the confidence and do it their way, and they're going to do that. Patrick, Patrick Mahomes is him. He just happens, happens to be connected to incredible talent on the offensive unit and a great developer of quarterbacks. Yeah. He's just blessed, right? Deshaun had one of the worst offensive coaches, one of the worst offensive lines for three straight years when he came into the league, just right? See, just imagine him with a good team. And had his best year with his best receiver traded away. Traded see, away. this is the mentality of these young quarterbacks now is, yo, I'm going to be great regardless. Like that's for Deshaun, that's going back to the first national championship game, second national championship game against Alabama. I don't care how many times, I don't care how mid average my offensive line is. I don't care how much you bang me and knock me around. I'm still putting up these yards on you. I'm putting up four, four dubs. O-dubs. on you. is doing it. Both time. And if I had the ball last, the first game, we would have beat you two times straight. That's just the That's mentality that true. these young guys have. So when it comes to, like, coaching and all, those are speed bumps because they believe that they can be great because they watched Cam Newton come in with the same attitude instead of being told by everybody that it was a mistake for him to go first overall. He was inaccurate. He couldn't make it in the league. He couldn't be great in the league if he didn't change. And he came in and he played the way he's always played. And whether people want to give him credit or not, he's impacted the culture of the NFL. Because like I said, the confidence that these young minority, these young black quarterbacks play with today is a direct result of Cam Newton. And I'll stand on that and double down on that. Yeah, I mean. The rest of my life. I think Cam Cam definitely was the, the new age version of what Mike Vick was. Yeah, Mike Vick was the originator. Yeah, I mean. That he, broke the mold. He was the AI of football, you know. Yeah. Mike Vick of football, you know. Just. Yeah, but Mike, Mike was, was, was quiet with his. He had a quiet confidence. He knew who he was. He knew he couldn't be stopped. Dude, that cat Cam was brash. Yeah. He was going to show it on the field. He was going to show it off the field with the way he dressed, the way he talked. He was going to be him. Yeah. And it's interesting to see how now it's the – Cam was the face of the league, and now Pat Mahomes is the face of the league, and that's just a – Different type of guy, superstar, very confident, but it's yeah. way more of an introverted sort of demeanor. Yeah, and they're pulling for Mac Jones. The powers that be, they're pulling for Mac Jones. Oh man, they they, they want Mac. Yeah, they want Mac Jones. 
They want Mac Jones, like Jones to be that dude. They want Mac Jones to be the next Tom Brady. We they do. Building it. They we do. Building it. They do. They do. They do. But see, now nah, he's playing good though. That's you know I'm loving it though. But it's not enough because I'm gonna let you know it's not enough. It's not enough because because I'm living for the day. I'm living for the day where both head coaches are minorities and both starting quarterbacks are minorities in the Super Bowl. That'd be crazy. Like we have Doug Williams already won a Super Bowl. So like having a black quarterback in the Super Bowl now, that's we did that. Yeah, we did it. He beat John Elway. He beat one of the greatest. That's done. Yeah, check. <laughs> Man, both quarterbacks, both coaches. That's it. It'll be interesting to see. You know, I think uh would the powers that be allow that to happen? Who knows? I do think, however, the talent of quarterbacks, you know, you talk about Kyler Murray, for instance. Man. This is his MVP season. Man. You know, and he's doing it like a shorter Russell Wilson, which yeah. is expanding the the and stretching the idea of what the quarterback could look like at the highest level. And Kyler having the season he is is just taking it a step further. You already got Lamar that's putting it away with the athleticism. Yeah, you can have that much athleticism be an NFL MVP. Pat Mahomes is taking it to the next level with just the unbelievable arm talent, showing you that you you can even be in the league without even looking and throwing. And then you got Deshaun Watson, just the overall general, the playmaker, who's who set the wave of confidence that you can have a competent quarterback on a bad team and still be successful. I mean, we've been able to continuously make an impact at that position and you know for for at the same time to see that same talent and that those generations of talent being pushed out the back end is hard to see as well you know we don't unfortunately don't get those coast out backup jobs for 10 years after we're past our prime the chase Daniel, the chase nick Foles job the nick Foles we that's the that's the real benefit of playing quarterback in the NFL is to, you know, have a career where you can float into the fade away into the distance. Unfortunately, the NFL is so so uh, narrowed into the superstar face of the team, face of the program, black quarterback. But there's not many Josh Dobbs that last that long anymore. You know that's. Or uh, Brent Hundley that's just on a team just you ain't even remember. You know, I like the quarterbacks you just forgot that was on rosters. Right. That, that are doing their thing. And I would like to see – that's the new wave, in my opinion. I would like to see quarterbacks of of black or whatever be filling those type roles. I think that's the real crossover and what makes it so hard for quarterbacks to make it in there. We are the Lucky Lefty Podcast, as always. Go follow us. And Lucky Lefty Podcast on Instagram and also on Twitter. Subscribe to the YouTube page. Like, man, we thank you so much. Everybody that supported, we keep picking up so many subscribers. Don't forget to hit that like button. A lot of people responded and said, man, you guys have become the, my new favorite podcast week, man. That's right. We, we dropping straight truth bombs. Much love. Much appreciated. <laughs> 
We got the merch coming for you. That's right. We spin it different, so look out for that. We're also available on Apple Podcasts. And uh, I just want to give a shout out to our guys over at Irish Breakdown, uh, Vince D'Addario, and uh, also Brian Driscoll. Um, just the exposure uh, they give to our podcast by allowing myself to come on and do some guest analyzing and be a guest guest analyst. And then I'm sure Malik's going to be jumping on sometime before the season as well That's as right. a guest analyst. So shout out to them. I call them the Godfathers of Notre Dame podcast. So major, 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 major. So we love those guys and uh, we love you. And thank you for following us. And, you know, I was happy to get like, you know, you, you get that first negative response to like something you said in a podcast because everything was very positive with our first four weeks of podcasting, bro. We got that first pushback and I was like, yes. Yes, they're, like, listening. they're listening to our opinion. They're listening. They're listening. <laughs> and so even to those that might not like everything we say, we thank you for thank paying you. attention yeah, to man. what we do say. Drop your comments. Yeah. Give us some, more, some questions that y'all want to get answered. Maybe we got some responses for some of y'all disgruntled comments. Yeah, we'll make it happen. As always, next up this week, we'll be talking about the matchup. One of the matchups, if you go to our season preview, this was one of the ones we said just because of the way Virginia Tech plays. Yeah. And how Can tough they survive? are. Can we survive the storm? Yeah. Can we survive the storm? We'll talk about it. We'll talk about the new quarterback, new starting quarterback that's going to be riding it out, hopefully, for the rest of the season. And hopefully we'll see some more youngsters get on the field and make an impact, not just, not just offensively, but also defensively for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. So, from my man Malik Zaire, I'm Sean Davis. We spin it different right here on the Lucky Lefty Podcast. We'll see you when we preview Notre Dame versus Virginia Tech. Love it.